Welcome back to Netflix and Kill, the podcast dedicated to reviewing and documenting the horror films of Netflix. I'm Kai. I'm Marty. I'm Hannah. And we have a guest today. Um, hi guys, my name is Nina. Um, I have always really loved horror, like basically ever since I could remember watching movies, um, because I've always been really interested in very morbid things, especially for a young kid. And <laughs> I've always been a fan of being um, very highly adrenalized. So I'm really excited to be here. I'm also yeah. Jewish, so hopefully that's helpful for the movie we're going to be doing today. Yeah, very relevant yes. for uh, for the topic at hand. Um, we watched <laughs> The Vigil. Yeah, so we uh, anyone who might have listened to our last episode will remember that we had looked up this movie called The Vigil and mm -hmm. we thought it would just be really interesting to talk about because um, we yeah. were talking about the movie Noroi last week which takes a very different take on demons than most horror films do um, because mm -hmm. most horror films in America are based on like the Christian beliefs regarding demons so you've got your um mm -hmm. you know basically all borrowing imagery from the exorcist too <laughs> so you've Power got your crucifixes oh my God, yeah. yada, yada. and your holy water <laughs> um so we were mm -hmm. trying to find like okay what are some movies that do like different cultural um mm -hmm. experiences of demons and that's what led us to this movie yeah. I want to say right off the bat that I had uh, said that The Vigil was a Hanukkah movie, but I had gotten it confused with a, another Jewish horror film that was in production and then I never heard about again. So, oh. <laughs> yeah, um, there was going to be like a like a Hanukkah horror film. And I don't remember what it was going to be called because I heard like, oh, this is in production. Uh, sign up on the Kickstarter to get it done and then never heard anything else about it so i don't think oh. they met their goal or anything or yeah. if it's in production well, it's been delayed forever because yeah. 2020 was a bad year to be making movies so yeah <laughs> yeah um 2020 but, was a bad year to just be oh yeah. that's true yeah um but this one i'm very glad that we have more than that one movie to look forward to because this one was really fun and really interesting, and I had a lot of fun watching it. Yeah, um, legitimately scared me. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I really, yeah, I really dug this movie. I, my favorite, I, it's interesting because I have seen so many horror movies and I love watching them. I don't like a lot of horror movies because <laughs> I really am a sucker for things like character and. Um, emotional exploration and a lot of horror movies just don't mm -hmm. seem to be interested in that. Like if I ever had a feeling and saw, I think I'd pass out from shock. <laughs> yeah. um, but this this movie I, is such an interesting exploration of trauma and grief, mm -hmm. and it was so beautifully shot. And they really did a great job, like making you care about the main character and the acting, the cinematography. Like you could tell this was a filmmaker who who was deeply invested in the emotions and the the meaning behind what was going on. At least that's that's what I thought. Yeah, this was this is definitely another Jason Bloom produced hit. Like he sometimes has some stinkers, but like every now <laughs> oh and then Oh my god, who like here saw Truth or Dare? <laughs> oh. Okay, so this, the same guy that so, so one of the same guys that produced this also produced that one and I'm like, "How did you how? get 
these two different films. <laughs> so Sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> Jason Bloom and then the guy that produced um, the new Halloween films. Let me, I gotta double check. Because I remember reading his name and going, hey, wait a second. I know that guy. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Nina, what were your initial thoughts on the visual? Oh, I loved it. Um, like, obviously, I wouldn't call myself, like, at, at any means, the resident, I don't know, person with information on Jewish culture, especially because um, this was more based on Orthodox Judaism, and I am part of Reform Judaism, which is, like, way, 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 way culturally different. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Especially in terms of, like Hannah was saying, um, the trauma, especially the generational trauma, one, of the Holocaust, of um, the deceased character Reuben, and two, the trauma of just living as a Jewish person by Yaakov, I think was, like, really interesting to look at because Mm -hmm. it really just kind of showed how people live as Jews in spite of all the trauma that they faced. So I thought that was a really interesting, I guess, like, contrast between those two characters. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's Mm -hmm. definitely, like, there's, like, that modern anti-Semitism, and then as it goes backwards in time, you see, like, hey, they it's always been bad, (laughs) kind of. Yeah, literally. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The other producer was Ryan Turek. Um, and he did mm-hmm. uh, Freaky and the um, the Happy Death Day movies, and then also the new Halloweens. He okay, those. so kind of oh. all in that little bubble. Um, mm-hmm. I looked up the director mm-hmm. of this movie before we yeah, he also wrote recorded. Um, and the director, this was his debut feature film, but he is, I saw on his IMDb page, that, like, Guillermo del Toro is doing a TV show where, like, different directors do different <gasps> episodes. Kind of like a Twilight Zone thing. What? And so Ooh, he's directing yes. an episode of that. So Yay, um, that I'm comes so out glad. next year. So I'm really excited. Yeah. That's gonna be so cool. Like, the yeah. fact that this is his, his first film was really... Yeah. I know. Damn, he did a good it job. always blows yeah. my mind. I'm like, how... Like, just hit it out of the park immediately. Mm-hmm. Things with no face scare me so fucking much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that scene in the hallway, the visuals he created are so iconic. Mm-hmm. And that hallway scene is going to stay with me to the, oh. like, when people say horror movie, that's going to be one of the, the images that flashes through my brain now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, me too. Absolutely. The things that, like, stuck in my mind were, like, there was, like, the fake version of the old lady in the house who's, like, toes kept yeah. breaking uh, her toenails the sound effects um, on that were like yeah uh, it like kept making me cringe this, okay, <laughs> the sound effects for that reminded me a whole lot of the sound effects for the very end of the first evil dead film when like they start like deteriorating do you know what i'm talking about it's like that weird cracking noise when they fucking yeah. combust into goo yeah, yeah. That, that like like that that weird like knuckle popping like noise. oh the bones noises in mm-hmm. this movie That's, were oh yeah the other thing that really horrifying. stuck at, stuck in my mm-hmm. head was um it was like that back like that backstory shot where they're like it, it's like during the the very end of the movie where they're like exercising the demon from uh 
Oh man, I'm I'm gonna blank on his name. Uh, the guy Is that it, died. Uh, Ruben? Ruben. Yeah, Ruben. Um, and like they're showing like the the scene where like he. Uh, I think he had to kill someone, I think, right? Yeah. Uh, I watched this a couple days ago, so it's not fresh in my mind. Um, but, like, when the thing, like, starts grabbing him, as, like, when he's a young lad, and, like, the fingers on that thing, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> the, oh like, weird, God. gnarly fingers. Oh. I kept calling it Slenderman to, like, keep myself from going, like, totally insane from how, like, horrible <laughs> <laughs> have to insult you or else i'm gonna cry (laughs) so nina i do have a question because i wasn't actually aware there were any demons in judaism at all like yeah because from what i had heard there there isn't a hell or is i don't know okay so a couple of things to clarify there isn't a hell like um judaism doesn't believe in heaven or hell like i think that's it's not really one of the main distinguishers from uh, Christianity, but it's like one of the really important ones, um, especially with people who call themselves Judeo-Christians, but that's a whole different thing. Um, yeah, Jewish people don't believe in heaven or hell, and demons aren't like a product of hell. They're, I think they're, they're more spirits. Like, mm-hmm. demonology is more about spirits, and they're not like... Ugh, it's so it's so complicated to try to explain it and like I've even had to do some research on this stuff because I was like oh man this is a little out of my league um, and I don't want to put that pressure on you either I think oh, what was okay. the way the film explained it like it was like in the time when God was creating the earth and they were like yeah. they were just there and kind of the other matter he was using to create the universe that is such a more interesting explanation than I you know there's just bad guys out there and they're gonna get you oh yeah oh yeah and like the spirits themselves aren't like evil they um I think like the important thing about I'm forgetting the mazik um Mm -hmm. the important thing about the mazik is that it feeds off of trauma and grief and you know obviously that doesn't Mm -hmm. make it evil that just means like you know takes advantage of the people who are traumatized and grieving Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's like it's like just an antagonizing force instead of something that is like inherently doing it to exactly cause harm exactly um the from what i understand i don't know if this is correct but like a lot of like the demons and stuff are things that have come through based on like things that humans have done or things that god has done like in terms of like other things and they just kind of produce and they're not like they're not like you know an angel fell from the sky and because it hated god oh no no (laughs) it really is just like i think it's like a demon in judaism is more closely related to just like a spirit in i guess general uh spirituality mythology whatever you want to call it yeah i i find that like obviously way more interesting than like the christian take on that kind of stuff just because like the idea Mm -hmm. of something just coming along out of nowhere is a little it's just a little more like i don't want to say fun but but like it's more (laughs) fun to think about um 
I guess like, what I... Oh, sorry, go ahead. There's just, like, a lot of... A lot more, like, you know, interworking with, like, humanity going on there instead of just, like, being, like, something that happens outside of humanity, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I was about to say that. I'm like, I mm -hmm. like that it's built more off of human emotions and it's, like, a product of that instead of, like, um, a being that like purposely sets out to torment and tempt you mm -hmm. oh yeah well it's interesting because now i'm thinking back to that movie truth or dare and why that movie doesn't work despite it kind of trying to play with themes of like oh these people's traumas and they're having to go through it but these ones just work much more as reflections rather than i feel like horror movies tend to take like some of that reflection away from the main characters just to have that shock value. Like, I feel oh, like that's yeah. what Truth or Dare did. Mm -hmm. But this movie never forgot that it was a reflection of these people's experiences, these people's emotions, mm -hmm. these people's loves and fears. Yeah. And I think that's just what carried this th film through from beginning to end. And just, I don't know, the actor, he just, the oh, way yeah. his face works is so... So brilliant. He's so good. Even that scene yeah. where he, he was Googling how to talk to women. It was, yeah. He looks oh so pensive. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Because honestly, so, like, relatable. So cute. <laughs> I yeah. thought he was very he handsome. <laughs> um, I was going to say something I forgot because I got wrapped up in the fact that I thought he was very cute. <laughs> oh, and it's so cool because you get to see him kind of have a hero moment too when he's yeah. like gearing up to go face the demon yeah. and there's like 80s synth in the background. I, know. Oh, I thought well, it was like so cool. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, what I was going to say was that the music is very much like a personification and symbol of trauma and something that is produced from trauma than like something else. Um, and like... I, I really liked that aspect of it because it's, it's like, very, it is very personal, and I find that way more interesting as a concept than a lot of other things. Oh, yeah. Like, I think my favorite horror movies are the kinds that acknowledge that a lot of times, well, actually, literally all the time, it's not something that's like paranormal or a thing of nature that is the evil thing. It is mm -hmm. human. Evil is inherently human. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah. every all the trauma that came out of all the events that happened within the film and in the flashbacks, those were all human things. The Holocaust yeah. happened with humans. Mm -hmm. And the anti-Semitic hate crime that Yaakov experienced was human. It wasn't, mm -hmm. he wasn't like being tormented by demons and that spurred everything that happened. The, mm -hmm. the mazik was just a product of that. It was a mm -hmm. product of human evil. It was just sitting there to remind him of all the things that had happened to him that were bad. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And... I, I kind of really like that this is, like, kind of a personification of, like, almost PTSD. Yep. And, like, and, like, the spiritual side of having to deal with, you know, the bad things that have happened to you and every generation before you. Yeah. Oh, also, boy. I love that in this movie, the person who is is suffering with a mental illness or has a mental illness 
is not the perpetrator of violence the yes. way that is so yeah. often seen yeah. in horror movies because we all know in reality it's usually the reverse is people who are suffering from mental illness who are the ones being like attacked and yeah. terrorized by mm-hmm. the world because it will not mm-hmm. it will not help them and i love getting to see that in our protagonist yeah. although there was one bit towards the end that i was like what are you trying to say movie because there's like one bit where he's just kind of looking at his pill box and i was like i hope you're saying he doesn't need those anymore because you should probably take those still yeah i think he's just like looking at them because like it's also a reminder of like all of the stuff that he's basically gone through but that's how i was reading it oh yeah and um, like they never i know that he there were moments where he himself was like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just seeing things like it's because of my medication. Mm-hmm. And he was basically invalidating his own experiences with trauma because he was mentally ill. Mm-hmm. But I think um, the important thing, I've, I'm really forgetting Ruben's last name right now, but um, Ruben's It starts wife, with an L. Yeah, it does start with an L. Oh, um, Google help me. I, I know, I feel so bad. Um. But I think it it's it was so important for her to be so validating of him and of him experience both his own and her husband's trauma. Mm-hmm. Like Litvak. Litvak, yes. Litvak, yes. Um I don't know. I just thought it was really important to say, like, you obviously, like, if you're mentally ill, you will you have problems. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean if you have trauma and you're mentally ill, you're not overreacting and you're not inherently less than because you may react to trauma differently than someone else. And so I think that was a really important thing that I took away from the movie as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I-, I also like that at the end, it had a very strong stance of like, just and this is different because like i don't have that jewish background but just going back to your faith is not going to solve like mental illness you still need that support group which is why i like that he also turned back to the support group at the end of all this to try to kind of continue rebuilding his life in his own way and he showed like he can do this balance where he's like i'm not going to substitute this for this it's going to be a complicated balance that I get to build and decide the rules of myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really like that. Yeah. It's like, even though, like, something specific happened within, like, a community, there are, like, other ways to deal with it than just, like, staying in that community. And um, with Yakov, at least, I felt like maybe because he was so, like, you know... It, in, in flashbacks, I think they showed that basically with how he was dressed and everything that, like, he was extremely, like, a religious person. Um, and how, you know, sometimes things happen and you lose your faith a little bit and it, that's not a terrible thing. It just sometimes it happens and mm-hmm. um, you can still keep, like, you know, roots of, like, you know, I used to be, like, you know, this, and during that time, that helped me, and, you know, it doesn't help me anymore, and that's fine, you know? Yeah. It's it's not, like, something, like, you have to go back to God because of all these things that, like, have happened to you, which is, like, a thing that happens a lot in, in, like, Christian stuff. The thing I'm thinking about is signs, where, like, 
Mm. Mel Gibson's character in Science. I fucking hate Mel Gibson so much. Uh, me too. Um, <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I forgot but, that Science was like that. Yeah. But it's yeah. Like- but like Mel Gibson in Science, like he's like a priest, and then like he loses his wife in a car accident, and then he becomes an atheist, and then at the very end of the movie, he becomes a Christian again because God saved him from the aliens. What? Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's because God told him to tell his brother to hit an alien with a bat. Yeah, and I don't know, Joaquin Phoenix is there, and a little girl left a bunch of cups with bacteria in them, and that's what Um. killed the aliens. (laughs) (laughs) I totally forgot about this movie. (laughs) M. Night Shyamalan, at the time, I guess it was, like, a really interesting take on the alien stuff, but, like, it's not good, I really feel like the only I really feel like the only good M Night Shyamalan film is The Sixth Sense, and like he made one really good film, yeah. and then everyone was like, "You're a great filmmaker," and then he just like keeps making these like not very good movies with bad twist endings. <laughs> I mean, I did like The Visit because I thought it was just fun. I haven't um, seen the visit, so I'm not sure about that. It's a lot that, of fun, but yeah, I tend to agree. Like other than the sixth sense, there there's not a lot of hits there, man. You got one <laughs> hit at the very beginning of your career, and then a lot of strikeouts. <laughs> so like, oh, I I watched old like when it came oh, out in the theater, I saw and that, that one too. was that was a mistake because old was really bad. <laughs> But it was fun. It was funny. It was it was funny at least, but like the ending was so like not good. I didn't (laughs) like it at all. I did not see the movie at all. I saw the poster and I loved it because I thought it looked like a Goosebumps book cover. (laughs) And I loved that. Um so getting back on topic. Let's give like a brief (laughs) overview of uh what this movie's about. So Um, We've already mentioned our main character, who came from an Orthodox Jewish background and has recently left that community to live on his own. Um, But he's kind of struggling financially and emotionally because he Mm -hmm. had this trauma in his past. So um, one of his former community members comes and finds him and asks him to stand vigil over a person who has recently passed. Um, so Nina, do you want to talk about that a little bit? About that tradition? Oh, yeah. Um, I believe it's called, um... Schoimer. Yeah, Schoimer. Um, to be a Schoimer is to, um, watch over someone who's dead in order to guard them from evil. Um, it's not something, it's mostly something that's practiced within the Orthodox Jewish community. Um, in Reformed Judaism, that's not really a thing that happens, at least not as far as I've personally experienced. But um, it wasn't just a spiritual thing. It was also to make sure that, you know, the body wasn't damaged or pillaged in any way. Yeah, no, that's basically all I've got to say on it. Um, Oh, no, I'm forgetting what I think it's called. um, Shamir. That's what it's. I think that's what it's called, like, the actual process is called, but I'm going to double-check that. I think the person is called a Schoimer, right? Yeah, the person is called a Schoimer. Um, Shamira. The actual ritual is called Shamira. Awesome. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, I assume this started because, like, it had a practical and spiritual thing, and then it just kind of, after a while, they stopped stealing things off of bodies for the most part, and so yeah. now it's just more of a spiritual thing. Mm-hmm. That is honestly, like, really kind of comforting, though, to think about. Yeah. Like, oh, oh when yeah. I die, like, thinking about someone just keeping you company and watching over you is, like, I really like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it's really representative of uh, Jewish people's relationship with death, because I think that's also something that's very different from Christians and just, like, mm-hmm. the general mm-hmm. feelings about death. I think... Um, yeah, being with the body and, like, being around it versus, like, kind of just letting a very specific person deal with it and oh, yeah. not, like, you know, or being having afraid to touch or look at it. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, like um, yeah. you know, obviously, for a lot of reasons, Jews are very in touch with mourning. Like, mm-hmm. one of the very first prayers that I ever learned was something called the Mourner's Kaddish, and anytime you're at a service in a synagogue, you will say the mourner's cottage because there's always something that you are mourning, mm-hmm. which is like mm-hmm. a bit of a morbid thing. But yeah, I think Jewish people are te- are definitely like not as afraid of death and more accepting of the emotions yeah. that it brings about. I, yeah. I think that's beautiful. One of my mm-hmm. biggest fears, because I, I grew up Methodist and then I became an atheist, um, I think my junior year of high school. Good for you. My biggest fear <laughs> is if I pass away, there's going to be a stranger who is going to tell everyone it's fine, don't worry about it, and kind of gloss over everything I was mm. to focus on denial and talk about something that I myself maybe didn't believe and kind of take the the individual and the gravitas out of that moment. And that's, I think that's some remembering the the weight of what's happening and seeing that that go about the community and the family is something that's so important and just at least I don't see it done a ton and I don't mean to offend the, uh, yeah. Christians but that's that's my personal experience with it yeah yeah, yeah. at the very least like definitely American Christians um mm-hmm. there's a lot of that fear of death and like really it goes back to the the people who first came and colonized America and the Puritans and they preached this like hellfire damnation, like fear Mm -hmm. was basically like the basis. (laughs) So that's kind of ingrained in uh, American culture. Yeah. Which like, Um, yeah, it's terrifying. (laughs) mm -hmm. Yeah. When you, when you preach fear to people instead of acceptance of, you know, natural things it tends to fuck with you yeah (laughs) Yeah. oh yeah (laughs) yeah and going back to because hannah i'm thinking about the you know people preaching about you know the way you maybe don't want people to talk about you after you die um first off like i I, i'm thinking about like if like me specifically i i have taken a very like specific interest in death to the point where I've already like started looking through and maybe going through ways of putting together a will for myself and mm. like uh <laughs> like 
you know, planning funeral things and, like, I don't actually have things in writing yet, but, like, I know exactly what I want and how I want people to talk about me when I die because, like, otherwise I, I especially as, like, a trans person, I feel like people aren't going to do it, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know what? Bringing it back to this movie, maybe that's what I appreciate so much about it because I feel like horror can either live in this very... I don't want to say light and fluffy, but a little bit light and fluffy where like you, everything is a win. Like, I don't mean to pull James Wan into this, but the Conjuring movies are kind of like that. Like I consider them the Disney <laughs> films of the horror franchise yeah. where I oh know everything is going to be okay. Um, yeah. But then there's also the grim, dark, very sad. Oh my God, I'm depressed kind of horror. Mm-hmm. And like, to me, the stuff that hits the hardest to me lives somewhere in the middle where it acknowledges the grim, dark, horrifying things about life that we cannot change, but also acknowledges that part of the human condition is that we are a hopeful and resourceful bunch of bastards and (laughs) can mix those two things together in a way that feels honest. And I think that this film really accomplished that. Yeah. I I, I completely agree. I'm thinking back to like, you said light and fluffy, and my first thought was, like, the classic, like, horror films, like the Universal movie monsters, where, like, I don't know, a very, like, very few of them were, like, you know, like, kind of sad, but, like, once you got into the 50s, around that time, a lot of that was just, like, oh, there's this bad thing, and then we beat it, and we're a nuclear family, and we're gonna have a lot of kids, because we beat up the creature from the black lagoon and it's like that's not how things really are or ever were and i feel really bad for the creature because of it <laughs> um and that like, man was just being hot in a lake he did nothing wrong <laughs> yeah right? no he was just like he saw a pretty lady and wanted to look at her a little bit like oh. <laughs> yeah it the um just the the way that uh, horror films are kind of treated um, in some cases where it's like there there is that kind of like, oh, it's there's a really bad thing, but it's, you know, you can overcome anything if you, you know, put a little, you know, you know, dirt on your nose or whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, if you get a little dirt on your nose, that's just. I don't know. That's a saying that I heard a really long time ago, and it's stuck in my head. I love it. Basically, I like, like that phrase. Like basically, like doing, you know, putting in the work, and then you can you can beat it. And it's like not even. I'm even thinking back to the Exorcist, and the Exorcist wasn't even like that. Like the preacher got possessed and then threw himself out a window to save a little girl. Like, <laughs> but at the same time, I don't know. I, I also. <sighs> And these things can... Sorry, finish your thought. Finish your thought. Oh, like, it's... Like, even that movie was very bittersweet. It was, like, a mm. like a human man basically sacrificing himself in order to keep this little girl alive. And, like, you don't see that a lot with... Even, like, modern horror films that are, like, trying to take inspiration from that. A lot of the humanity is kind of lost in in that kind of thinking and like you just I think there's like a a way of like oh we're gonna be different from the exorcist but like honestly 
the things that were good about the exorcist were not had nothing to do with the demons and had everything to do with the like you know the fact that it was someone who was extremely vulnerable and people who are trying very hard to you know you know save them you know and it's like mm-hmm. i i feel like i feel like in terms of like films now that have to deal with demons the vigil probably got the closest to like what the exorcist actually was trying to achieve Mm -hmm. even though it's like from two different like totally different religious backgrounds and like points of view it's like still very like there's something there that like i am they're they're very similar to me and i feel like that nothing has quite gotten it as close as the vigil has in recent years to something like that. Mm-hmm. I feel like the closest it would actually be the Babadook for me. Oh yeah, that oh. one too. I love the Babadook. I'm so sorry. I'm gonna yeah. say a hot take. I think, and like I acknowledge, it's is very is pinnacle cinema. Whatever. Um, I think the vi- I like the vigil personally and the Babadook more than the Exorcist because. The Exorcist, I, I'm sure that someone has an essay about why this is actually okay in this context, because it is different than most times this trope is used. I hate the sacrificial daddy trope. And let oh, me tell you yeah. why. Because there is a thing in movies, not just horror, but a lot of horror movies do this, where there is a father figure in the movie, and usually they are paired up with a silent, um, usually young girl. The quiet and place. They have the quiet. This is the quiet place. But also, I'm thinking Logan does this. Oh, that's true. Um, usually, like there's a language barrier where the the point of the film is this guy doesn't really know how to be a father. He is unprepared, and so the narrative is kind of about them trying to overcome that. Except he doesn't. He just dies. And I'm like, no, actually, I don't want <laughs> yeah. this. I want you to do put in the effort to communicate so she can have a voice, so she can communicate what she needs. And I want you to learn to get over your aggression issues and actually be there for this child rather than die and become this other trauma that she's going to have to bear and become stoic and silent just like you, sir. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, Honestly, so yeah, I, I definitely get that. Yeah. Um, it's It's been a but little while. I don't blame I the, exorcist the Exorcist for this. Yeah, but I, I don't think it's, like, specifically that. Um, no, it's also, not, but I like this movie because the point of this movie is not, you can't just get over it. You have to yeah. look this thing in the face, talk about it, and find community yeah. through it, rather than kind of shutting down, if that makes sense. And that's yeah. kind of why I feel like The Vigil and The Exorcist are very similar, and it's because there is a very specific back and forth between, like, the human characters and whatever is, like, possessing or hurting whoever in the film like they're like pazuzu talks in the exorcist like it's not just like a little girl grunting and throwing up everywhere like pazuzu <laughs> like is communicating and but is like the preacher or reagan going through her trauma or are we just seeing the traumatizing um yeah you have a point there <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, but I do. I Which, do, to be fair, that is kind of what's happening in this one simultaneously. I mean, like the in this movie, like the person who is kind of being possessed, um, is dead, um, and doesn't have really a voice, and it's just more like the memory of him, um, being inflicted upon this other person who is then 
also like having to deal with their own trauma because it's very similar um and this thing is like you know feeding off of the the anxiety and trauma of all of it um it has been a, yeah it's been a really long while since i saw the exorcist so i can't say specifically how similar but like when i'm thinking about like how the exorcist made me feel i feel the same way about the exorcist as i do about this film mm-hmm. and i do not want to invalidate that at all oh oh yeah you're good yeah i would say i related more to this film because mm-hmm. like i have personal trauma in my life i mean i think most people do to some extent but like i guess because i've struggled with mental illness like i related a lot to mm-hmm. this movie um and i think like just they did a really good job of capturing that feeling um yeah um so let's get into a little bit of like the backstories for the characters yeah so we had talked about um reuben who's the man who died and they like we said he's a holocaust survivor and obviously went through some horrible trauma and so the flashback we see is a nazi soldier forcing him to shoot a woman we don't know who she is um but like no matter what (laughs) that's extremely traumatizing especially if it's Mm -hmm. someone that you cared about a lot and so he like lives with that for the rest of his life like even after he moves on and gets married and has a family like he still has that following him around Mm -hmm. there's a very specific image when like they're showing this memory and it's of this woman turning around to smile at him as he's like trying to shoot her point blank and that really fucked with me (laughs) yeah (laughs) there was this interesting shot too of this kind of silhouette of a person but i think it was the 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 muzik yeah the muzik yeah muzik thank you um kind of emerging from this this experience and i think we kind of see that come back towards the end i don't know i was kind of hoping we wouldn't get a gotcha ending i'm like no i wanted him (laughs) to do it well he burned it we can talk about the ending a little more later well actually well, yeah, um, but I do yeah, have right, I have thoughts right. on that. But um, oh yeah. So then Yakov, we learn also through flashbacks that uh, he and his younger brother were the victims of a hate crime, mm-hmm. uh, where a bunch of like men on the street grabbed his brother, who is a child, and are like teasing him and. Um, you know, it's making very, fun of his hair, calling yeah. him a little girl. It's very obviously uh, like targeted slurs. Yeah, um, and um, and so when this they... little boy, he freaks out after a minute and like is able to like get himself out of the grasp of these people who are like tormenting him. And Yakov is like frozen; he can't do anything because he's so scared. And this little boy just, like, runs out into the middle of traffic and gets hit by a car. And that's basically, like, the the root of all of this trauma is that, like, Yakov feels like he couldn't do anything or he should have done something in the moment. Um, and his brother would still be alive today if he had done that. Mm-hmm. And he didn't. I think something that's also really interesting about it too and something that struck me as a Jewish person was that his trauma was directly tied to being Jewish. Mm -hmm. And that's also a parallel that he has with Ruben about how 
you know, if he wasn't visibly Jewish, like if he didn't have, I guess, the visible markings, Mm -hmm. then he probably wouldn't have experienced that hate crime. And so um, I'm assuming that's one of the reasons why he lost his faith and um, left the Hasidic community. And I think that's something that a lot of Jewish people experience as well. Like they feel too afraid to express their Judaism in a way that is more um, conspicuous. Yeah. Because, you know, you don't want to get hate crimes. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, trying to homogenize into uh, WASP society um, based on the fact that, like, if you fit in more, then you won't get hate crimed. And it's, like, it really sucks. And, like, there's definitely a difference between how he's shown in, like, the flashbacks. He's he's wearing, like, the hat. He's got his hair, like, curled very specifically. Um, mm-hmm. I don't remember what specifically that's called. I don't remember either. It's okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, you know the, the very signature curls at the front of the head where they're, it's, like, very long in the front. You wear your hat and you have a very traditional dress. Um... And, you know, I, I feel like, you know, after that happened, yeah, he cut his hair. He stopped wearing anything that even, like, gave anyone the notion that he was Jewish and just kind of blended in. Because he's, he's dressed very, like, a like in a hoodie and, like, graphic t-shirts and jeans and in this movie. And, like, you know, for... Like, from the beginning, it's, like, he's surrounded himself with, like, other Jewish people who have kind of done the same thing. And, like, um, I'm sure he takes comfort in that because, like, I feel like it, you know, I I don't want to, like, compare this specifically to being trans, but I feel like there's some overlap because of, like, being a targeted group in society. But, like, there's... There's definitely that kind of, once you're hate-crimed for being trans, there's, like, a little bit of a, I should probably tone this down so I don't get hate-crimed again, you know? That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think one thing horror has done consistently is talk about, through metaphor usually, um, marginalized people and what they go through and the crimes either committed against them or the crimes society sees them potentially committing again, kind of going back to those 50s thing. And I think mm-hmm. the thing that really made this film remarkable to me, and I think Nina touched on it, is it's spe- specific to Jewish trauma. And mm-hmm. I think that really brings out the character, that brings out the, the aesthetic, it yeah. brings out everything about this movie that is just so beautiful. And I think that yeah. we had this conversation last time too about how there does need to be more like less at least i think we're ready for less of this subtextual thing that i've seen stephen king do has done since the 80s and just make it text just like give people who experience these things the microphone for god's sakes Mm -hmm. they can tell these stories so much better than any metaphor could yeah and i'm not Yeah. yeah i'm not like saying specifically that like being jewish is exactly like oh no and i wasn't but like there's definitely an overlap in like just that Uh, i i just wanted to clear that up no and i'm saying oh sorry oh i was just gonna say like obviously marginalized groups they're you know there's obviously like 
going to be overlap between marginalized groups and they're going to be an overlap in experiences of marginalized groups. And so, you know, it's it's okay to empathize with the experiences of a marginalized group as a member of a different one while also yeah. acknowledging the differences between them. Yeah, I feel like solidarity and shared experiences is what makes community stronger. Um, mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of why I brought up like that because like thinking about it like you know, if something similar happened to me, I I would probably react in the same way because, like, I kind of know already how that kind of feels. Uh, well, and it's important. And I was just thinking how I think we as a culture are lessened because we don't have a kind of a horror movie or any kind of movie that is in the popular zeitgeist about, like, the, the trans experience. Like, that's a story yeah, that needs to be told true. as well. Well, and, like, we think about Get Out, too. Like, when you watch those movies, stories have a way of ta- tagging into your empathy Mm-hmm. And making you realize, oh shit, I'm the bad guy sometimes. And oh, it's yeah. like, yeah, 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 we are. And especially mm-hmm. yeah. like not demonizing marginalized communities. Shocker, it's easy to not do that. Yeah, yeah. just make your protagonist, um, you know, one of the people from the marginalized community that you're trying to represent. Like, well, it's not also hard. like the fact that this movie never like is aggressive towards the religion. Like, even though the main character mm-hmm. has left his faith, he doesn't hate or resent it. It's more of just, like, his trauma is mm-hmm. too strong. And, and probably, like, the group that he was with during that time period didn't help him in the way that he needed it to. And, like, oh, yeah. it's yeah. just... You gotta find people that are gonna help you in the way that you need help. Yeah, but the movie and never, like, demonizes Judaism at all. It's like, yeah, like... yeah. Just, it's this one character's perspective on things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, like, in that way, too, um, something that I thought was really cool and really important was the fact that the way to, um, the way for him to conquer the Mazik, or I guess not conquer, like, more defeat it, or whatever it is, uh, up to interpretation with the ending, um, but it was by using Judaism and in a way reconnecting with his faith. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he was able to do that in that moment without feeling the pressure to reassimilate back into a community that was harmful to him, I think was really important in shows like, I, I think it shows a lot of what Jewish people struggle with, honestly, like, feeling the need to preserve your faith while also recognizing that it really does remind you a lot of the trauma that you faced. Mm -hmm. And in that way, it makes everybody's experiences with Judaism very individual and very unique. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like that's like, like the central message of this is like, even though there's definitely like interconnection and generational trauma and like things that, as a whole make like the Jewish community what it is like a lot of the times the way you deal with that stuff is very personal and sometimes the only person that can help you out with that is yourself you know exactly yeah um so let's talk about the ending a little bit more so he, the only way to defeat the Mazik is to burn its face um, before the night is over so that it doesn't like haunt you forever. <laughs> and um, 
So Oh, the part where he like tries to leave the house and his like <gasps> his bones oh, start cracking so and he can't scary. move. Oh. Yeah. Right. He like he like walks out the door and like he's like like he just like starts hurting and like he can't move and like his fingers start locking up at one point that yeah. was gross um and like <laughs> the only way that that would stop is if he turned back around and walked into the house and that was like you're not getting away from me you just need you need to deal with this right now <laughs> yeah. and it's so interesting that. how they did a similar thing like when he was first looking at his phone like his mm-hmm. fingers were cracking and i was mm-hmm. like damned <laughs> foreshadowing yeah, like, huh yeah, the um, the way of like you're not gonna distract yourself, you're not gonna walk away from this because it's something you need to deal with right now, and you've exactly. been putting it off for too long. Yeah, that really is what trauma does. Mm-hmm. You cannot fucking control it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we do have he does manage to burn the face, and um, but we do have one of those typical horror movie Indians that leaves things up to interpretation, where he leaves in the morning and you see the shadow kind of following him uh which hannah and i were kind of talking about earlier so my take on that is uh more like similar to the babadook movie where like Mm. the trauma is just it's always with you but you can Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean you have to be a victim of it like that memory is always gonna live with you but um I still see it as a win, like, in a way he has conquered the evil because, like, he's Mm -hmm. confronted his own trauma. Yeah, that's kind of how I read it, too. Like, it's definitely, like, not... I Like, very obviously, there are going to be times when it's probably going to strike again, but, like, he knows at this point how to deal with it, and therefore it's okay for it to tag along. Oh, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. It's kind of like how I'm just just like how because I'm thinking about like the way people handle like certain mental illnesses, especially like anxiety mm-hmm. um, and how if you like treat it as an entity that like sits with you and follows you around, it's a lot easier to control. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I'm thinking about like several Bill Hader interviews where he says like um, that his anxiety is his buddy and he just sits with it and talks with it and that's how he gets over it and like Mm. that's kind of how i saw the ending of this is that like it's just gonna start following him around but like he's gonna be able to like converse with it at this point and that's actually a coping method that has been recommended by a lot of professionals um because Mm -hmm. it for sure helps you like detach the illness from yourself so you don't Mm. define yourself through it it's more of like oh this is a thing i live with but it doesn't define me yeah and it's also not a thing that you're supposed to conquer Mm -hmm. because a lot of times mental illness is chronic and Mm -hmm. you know you'll be living with it a lot longer than anyone really expects to and so i think in the way that the demon is still there it's like you know, you're going to have victories, but you're not going to fully overcome it. You still have to, you still have to recognize that it's there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the real victory is probably, because I know I was like, oh man, I wanted to win, but that's the part of your brain that's like, has been trained to want that. But I think that's, yep. yeah. I, I agree with y'all's interpretation, because you're right, it's not just something you can like, 
uh, but I had a really a good breakthrough and now I'm fine. It's like, no, <laughs> that's not how it works. You got to keep, You've done keep it. managing it every You've day. You've defeated <laughs> mental illness. <laughs> it's yeah. like a video game. Um, no, it's, it's much more interesting the, the way they chose to end it. Oh, yeah. I, I had a different thought. I don't remember what I was going to say. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I'll think of it. Yeah. Well, I will open up the table to we are reaching close to an hour. So um, are there mm-hmm. any last thoughts about the movie? There's a lot to talk about. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, I just... yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say just about general representation... I think it was really good in terms of having different voices of Judaism. Mm -hmm. I know that it's, you know, as I said, Orthodox Judaism is just one facet of Judaism. It is a facet of Ashkenazi Judaism, which is like more in terms of European based Judaism. But I think in terms of how, especially how um, they use Judaism to comfort themselves in the ways in the ways that they use it to garner commu- a sense of community, I think in that way the representation was very good. Mm-hmm. And using um, Jewish spirituality and demonology, which is almost never used, mm-hmm. I think was also very cool. Yeah, I I also really enjoyed like because I feel like they even got even those like more like set in like the orthodox way of like viewing judaism and like faith um there were still like aspects of it i feel like maybe are more reform like the the community that he was with beforehand i feel like maybe they were like supposed to be a stand-in for like reform judaism in some way but i i'm not entirely sure on that um that's just kind of how i was like looking at it these they seem to be like more loose and not not like they're very obviously still connected with their judaism but they're not like observing like 24 7 oh yeah like i think it basically um i forget what the organization is called that this was based off of um i i'll be able to kind of link the little interview source when i find it um but it's essentially like kind of a halfway point between like Hasidic Judaism and their community because their community is often pretty sheltered from technology, things like that, versus like the quote unquote real world where um, people who break apart from Hasidic Judaism oftentimes like have trouble assimil- assimilating into quote unquote normal society. And so that's what that community was. It was... um the doctor and he was hosting a bunch well the counselor and he was hosting a bunch of people who were in the same boat as Yakov. so just to provide a little bit of context for that because i think that just helps the general understanding of Mm -hmm. the film especially with the like how to talk to women stuff like him (laughs) not being able to work a phone that well Hmm. things like that yeah which i think is a little cool little fun fact like yeah i'll say that um it's not really like leaning into more reform Judaism. It's just shifting Judaism from the lifestyle of Orthodox Judaism into assimilating 
into like modern white American society. Mm, I gotcha. Yeah, that de- that definitely like clears up some like questions I had about that because like. I don't know. There were there were definitely a few things I was like, is this supposed to be like reform? But then I was like, there. I mean, like, there's kind of a gap in like language in some instances, and like the way things are like going on, and how he he said like at one point that he was trying to fill out a resume and he was just doing it on yeah, notebook paper. paper. Oh, I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I kind of felt really Which, bad for him, but it was also kind of like, oh, this I'll be guy. honest, I had nothing but respect for that man in that moment. I was yeah. like, oh my god, someone actually, I've always wanted to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just it's, write down, these are the jobs I've had, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> why, why does it have to be more than that? Yeah. <laughs> like, at least he's trying and, like, you know, doing his best, even though it's, like, not on professional printer paper done on a computer like <laughs> i still like don't they... even know if you need that yeah like yeah. tell yeah. tell him what you did but i i really enjoyed his character and the way that he like was dealing with everything in the movie um he just he just felt very relatable and like you know the the want of like wanting to fit in and like not wanting to you know have to deal with everything but like still having to anyways is just that's very relatable <laughs> oh yeah mm-hmm. oh i also just found the thing the thing that i'm using i'm um i'm citing all my sources cuz as i said not the be-all end-all on Judaism. So I just found the quote that said, the film opens at a footsteps meeting an organization that helps former Orthodox Jews adjust to the secular world. And I put the link in the Discord chat. So Oh, perfect. Awesome. Thank you. Um, I can put we, that yeah, in the we, show notes. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thank um, you so much, by the way, for providing some insight. And also, I do want to say, I didn't want to just invite you because you know you're jewish i wanted to invite you because i've had classes with you and i've seen you (laughs) perform and engage with media and you have genius takes i love hearing you speak (laughs) thank you (laughs) yeah you also have a great radio voice i oh really yeah yeah Um, thanks guys (laughs) i don't think i've ever met you before now but it's been very fun talking with you and i really enjoy your take on this movie and maybe we should have you back in the future because i feel yes. like you have a lot of fun cool things to say about other things yeah I'm Mina, and, um, like I, said, I have um, a question for you yes what's your favorite scary movie i was about to ask the same thing <laughs> damn it okay. <laughs> okay i'm about to i'm about to out myself as a super huge mega nerd but it's as above, so below. <gasps> really, Lissa. Like that's history. Lissa's favorite movie we too. We love that <laughs> movie. We have already I... talked about it on the podcast. Um, mm-hmm. So good. Let's talk about it again. Yeah, yeah. Movie. Like, we'll do another review. I. It's just like I. I just love. Oh, I love history. The French catacombs, such a cool place to like, such a cool setting for it, mm-hmm. and like. It's oh a very fun found footage film. I it I is. really like the way that they did that. Um, oh yeah, and found I, footage films are so hard to execute properly without giving your audience fucking motion sickness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I like there there are definitely some things in that movie where I was like, what? Pfft, lame. But like also I really enjoyed them because they had the audacity to do them. <laughs> oh yeah. Um one of my fa- my favorite very obviously right now is also a found footage film and I it's creep. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Well, I've actually been obsessed with VHS 94, which is also a found VHS footage film. VHS 94. Okay, there was something when I was watching The Vigil like I was like this reminds me of like a scene in VHS 94 where the girl has to like sit at the wake. Oh yeah. And like and like things keep happening and she like freaks out and then like the the body gets up with the head like with no head yeah um, <laughs> which like I thought that was what was gonna happen in this one and then I was like wait wait no it did, and it didn't which I'm glad it didn't because like the the that whole concept kind of for cliche. yeah the whole concept yeah. for this film is like so much more interesting and so much more profound than that but like I was getting that vibe from the beginning that like oh thing weird things are happening I. I think the body's going to get up and like the body never got up, which is good, (laughs) but you know, you get that vibe at first. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, it did that cool thing where it like, I don't want to use the word inflate because for some reason we ruined that word Mm. as a culture. (laughs) 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 But you know, when it kind of um, gave itself shape, (laughs) Mm-hmm. I'm trying. Uh, but, you know, that scene where it just kind of came back and, like, had a whole silhouette to it when it was just an empty uh, cloth. And then it became his oh, little yeah. brother. And, oh, oh my God. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. It was a beautiful Oh, and the scene movie. where he calls his therapist on the phone and it's, like, <gasps> yeah. the demon talking to him through the phone oh. with his therapist's voice. And then he gets a call from his therapist, like in the middle of this therapist call and he's and it's like the real therapist he goes i'm gonna have to call you back i was like oh god (laughs) that was two of my favorite moments with him that moment and then the moment where like i think something happens with the body again and he just starts laughing and goes of course yeah (laughs) yeah one of my favorite moments with him was when he was like um, yeah, there's a lot going on. I'm kind of having a hard time right now. And he is, ha- he is like, in the middle of this huge emotional crisis, but he's like, all right, gotta go into customer service mode. <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah. that is so, so relatable. So true. <laughs> it is. So true, bestie. <laughs> also, I- um, for my last shout out, um, I loved Mrs. Litvak, even though I did not really like the whole thing of I chased my children away. But that woman can get it. God, I love (laughs) Mrs. Litvak. Rest in peace to the actress who played her. Mm -hmm. She she died very recently. No. I know. I... God, it it made me really sad because I was like, oh, she looks familiar. And then they were like, oh, yeah, she died. And I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. awesome. Shit. What else has she been in? Hold up. Let me... I gotta pull up the, um... Oh my god! The, the Hunger Games! That's where I know her from! Oh yeah, isn't she the lady from, uh... Uh, she was, like, the one that plays the... She's the old lady, Mags. Yes! Yes! Oh, oh she was in The Cobbler by Adam Sandler. <laughs> yeah, Lynn Cohen. That's her name. Lynn Cohen. Mm-hmm. Beautiful actress. Mm-hmm. I really... I actually really kind of liked the way that she described like i push my children away and they think that they did that on their own 
Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's, like, a weird way of her trying to protect them from, like, you know, having to deal with, like, the trauma that their father and their mother went through. Because, like, mm-hmm. you know, if they're not around them, then they have nothing to pass on to them. You oh, know? yeah. Yeah. Because it's, like, a lot yeah. of the... It's, it's very interesting, but also, like, very sad and, like, not cool. Yeah. But also, like, yeah. I see the reasoning behind it. Especially because mm-hmm. of a lot of a lot of times um, with Jewish generational trauma, a lot of the things that trigger it are the near constant references to the Holocaust and like the mm-hmm. very violent mm-hmm. either reenactments or filmings of like emaciated people in concentration camps, mm-hmm. and just the fact that like as a Jewish person being exposed to that from a very very young age really just solidifies that. Mm-hmm. deep-rooted mm-hmm. trauma within you yeah and so i understand where she's coming from with that and you know it's very it's a very misguided thing that she did but i understand that like you know there there is that desire to escape from it yeah in whatever way you can yeah um it's it's very different having an outside perspective on like something really bad that happened versus like having a personal link to it and um, I can definitely see why someone would not want to share the fact that their father was in the Holocaust with their mm-hmm. children. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> just because the the thought alone would probably fuck them up really bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so before mm-hmm. we wrap up, Nina, do you have anything that you would like to promote? Any um, social media or projects that you would like Ooh. to shout out? Uh I don't really have anything that I'm working on personally right now, um, but you know, I'm just I'm just chilling. I'm still in college, so I'm waiting to. I I'm I'm really just like uh, taking it one semester at a time. I understand. Oh, I remember yeah. that. Here's feeling. here's the deal. Here's the deal, though, dear listeners. I'm not gonna like you know point to anything specific because that's your business. I have seen you sing on the internet and in real life, holy shit, you are so goddamn talented. Like, keep an eye out for this person, goddammit. It's gonna be so cool seeing you perform, like, in general, because you are just amazing. Do you have any, like, social media, YouTube, Twitter, anything like that you want to plug? Uh, like, uh... I don't even really have anything. I guess I have like my public Instagram. It's just it's basically a business account. <laughs> business, business, yeah. business. <laughs> but I guess like I'll probably have to start making a YouTube eventually, and it'll probably be um, under the name Panina because that's my full name. So awesome. that's probably something to keep an eye out for eventually. <laughs> Also, I don't know if you ever plan on having a podcast. I don't know if anyone ever plans on having a podcast, but if you do, you should come back and do another episode, and then we can plug that podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I've what? always thought about it. I've been like, what if I do a D and D podcast? Ha oh, ha. Yes, yes. I well, love you, Dungeons um, and Dragons. You were definitely welcome to come back, um, even if you don't end up doing your own podcast, because we really enjoyed you. And yeah, if there, you if you like, there is ever anything that you want us to promote, you can always just um, message one of us, and we'll share it on the Netflix and Kill Twitter. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys. It's been a real it's been really cool to be able to talk about this. Like I've never actually seen a Jewish horror film, so Yeah. Yeah, I haven't Me either. either. <laughs> so it was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Um, there needs to like, be more of them. I'm going to wait patiently for that Hanukkah movie to surface again. Yes. <laughs> yes. Please well, let and me it's know so... if and when it happens, because mm-hmm. I would I would love that. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's so weird, too, to think that we've come to this point, because Jewish women are responsible for creating Hollywood. Like, yeah. Yeah. Starting <laughs> the film industry. Yeah. Yeah. But Jewish stories are oftentimes the ones that are either skipped over or very deeply stereotyped mm-hmm. which is it's the real like, fun part about it always behind yeah. the camera never in front of it kind of thing yeah yeah um well i definitely recommend this movie and it is on hulu so for any of our mm-hmm. listeners who have hulu go watch the vigil it's really really good yeah. and like i said legitimately scary yeah <laughs> the monster in this one is horrifying to look at um, when it turned into Yakov, I almost <gasps> screamed. <Yeah. gasps> we didn't so even good. talk about that, but oh you, I think we did in a way. Oh, yeah. and, and then, oh, and then the recording of the um, of Ruben where he's talking about things, and you just see Mrs. Litvak in the background oh, yeah, going she's... behind you, behind oh, you. Oh, good. <laughs> Uh, like, good, oh, really good, suspenseful moments. Please watch yes. this movie. Yes. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Um, and it's PG-13! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go watch this movie, and if you want to hear more from Netflix and Kill, you can find us on Twitter at Netflix underscore in underscore kill. We also have a Patreon, and we appreciate any money that is thrown our way. It helps us keep our show running. And uh, we'll we'll be back next time with some more spooky goodness. Hell yeah. Thank you, everybody. Um, oh, what was oh, that? I was going to say... In four days, I'll be one month on tea. Yay! Yay! Woo! Congratulations! Yes! Fucking party. Yes. Yeah! Thank you. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. And as always, may your nightmares be plentiful. Bye!